beware. Something exciting is coming to video games. Gremlins 2, the new batch, the video game from Sunsoft. Help Gizmo battle the menacing gremlins. But it won't be easy. Because this game has awesome graphics that seem to come alive on the screen. Gremlins 2, the new batch from Sunsoft. Don't say we didn't warn you. Welcome, everybody, to Cinemarcade. This is the podcast about movies, video games, and the sparks that fly when those two worlds collide. We are back for part two of our little interior mini-series that we're doing within the giant macro series. This one's all about Gremlins. All about Gremlins. Best Picture winner, 1950. Uh, yeah, starring uh, Betty Davis. I'm slap-happy as fuck, everybody. I'm going to warn you all now. I am a little sleepy and uh, I'm a sleepy, sleepy tie tie boy, and uh, I'm not going to be making a whole <laughs> lot of sense. But I think it's in keeping with the spirit of this chaotic little masterpiece that we watched today that I'm barely making sense and that I'm frequently breaking the fourth wall. My name is Steve Guntley. Who's with me today? I am the googly eyed gremlin, Justin. <laughs> I'm the sexy gremlin, J-Band. <laughs> oh, God. So the one with glasses. The, yeah, uh, the yeah. sexy, uh, the one singing New York, New York, like Frank Sinatra. Damn right, the sexy gremlin. That's the one. All right, we're all in agreement on that. Uh, we are talking today about Gremlins 2, the new batch. That's right. There's a whole new batch of gremlins, folks. Uh, and I don't know that you're properly prepared for exactly how bad shit this movie gets uh at the insistence of my girlfriend Alish, i'm going to issue a blanket warning now if you have not watched gremlins to the new batch for the love of god go watch it and then come back and listen to it because uh if like her you went into this movie without any kind of expectation whatsoever uh you are going to have your mind blown by the places this movie goes um i think she was really just expecting a just another gremlins you know just like more of the first movie and you can tell that's kind of where the studio wanted them to go. Uh, but that's not ultimately where Joe Dante took this movie. Let's talk about it. Gremlins 2, The New Batch. It was directed by Joe Dante, written by Charles S. Haas. And this stars Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, John Glover, Robert Prosky, Robert Picardo, Haviland Morris, Christopher Lee, Dick Miller, Howie Mandel as Gizmo, and Tony Randall as the Brain Gremlin. And fun fact, the delivery guy... Uh, that's Tuco Salamanca from Breaking Bad. It sure is, yeah. Unmistakable young, voice. I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. Very I young know Raymond you Cruz, as yeah. a more murderous man. Yeah, yeah. With a few more years on you. He's a, he's, a, he's a little nicer in this movie than he is in Breaking Bad, I would say. He's just a pleasant delivery guy. Hell of a whistler. Hell of a whistler. Some of the other cameos are like, uh, who else do we get? The, the janitor who spills water on Gizmo. That's the original Gomez Adams from the Adams family, and then the projectionist oh. in the middle of the movie is Chuck Jones, the creator of Looney Tunes, which is a very, very appropriate reference to have in this movie. Um, well, before we get into the history here, I wanted to ask you guys your experience with this one. I know this is uh, Justin's first experience with this one. Yes. Uh, so I got, I got to go with you. Uh, what were you expecting, and what did you get? 
Um, I was confused when I got an extended Looney Tunes bit at the beginning because <laughs> I was like, this is the right movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I rented this one on YouTube and I was watching it on my phone uh, and I was like, what? What happened? Is this something that got put in modern or is this something that was there to begin with? And at one point I had pulled up, uh, I think, the Wikipedia article uh, to verify some names. And I was like, whoa, this is intended. OK. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, and then, yeah, you mentioned the guys in it. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, boy, howdy, was I again. My expectations were all right. You know, we already saw a small town get destroyed. Yeah. Um, hundreds of people die, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> off screen, implied. Off screen, implied, impl- implied deaths. Except Mrs. Deagle, we saw her die, but, you know, everybody else was uh, implied. And the science teacher. Oh, yeah, we did see him die, too. Uh, yeah. I feel like there might have been one or two more in there that was like, oh, they're dead. Yeah, um, yeah, some car wrecks that definitely killed people. Yes. Um, and so this movie starts off very like corporate dystopian Mm -hmm. and i was like all right this is an interesting vibe to go for um and then yeah uh about about midway through there's there's a pivot from what this movie starts (laughs) out to what this movie is really up to honestly that's really it it's like you start off with a lot of like exposition about this company that uh that billy works at now um and his girlfriend industries clamp Clamp. industries what a name to have and uh, we want to be very clear this is in no way associated with another blonde-haired new york city developer billionaire (laughs) who was popular at the new in the news at that time uh (laughs) he's certainly not somebody who has gone on to uh ruin a lot of things yeah no no this is not based on anybody real Yes. No, honestly, because this person seemed to have at least some kind of a heart in there. I think yeah. he's more of like a feckless billionaire like Richard Branson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not smart and also not the dumbest. Right. What, yeah, he, what he, a character. He's kind of a, a really fun performance from John Glover. Yeah, that's a really great um, like I, I will we'll go into more of the like we'll we'll break down the scenes a little bit. J Ben, have you seen this one before? I have seen this one before and I saw it many times as a child mm-hmm. to the point where I feel like the first movie and the second movie sort of merged into this sort of amalgamation mm-hmm. in my memory. Uh and then upon the rewatch it's so bonkers <laughs> yeah but uh definitely gizmo the puppet is that that's the gizmo from my imagination as opposed to the first movie um and it's just it's a wild ride and there's Insane. just something uh, there's just something so that's miss like I, th- I think it's interesting in the first movie you have very heavily implied deaths yeah and in this and i think that was rated pg yeah uh and this one you have no deaths i don't think um human deaths yeah there aren't well yeah christopher lee dies there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of attacks yeah christopher lee does he gets die. electrocuted um yeah. But there's not a like there's not as many deaths as the first one. Yeah, and I don't know. I saw PG-13. a large quantity of deaths. They just were not human deaths. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, the gremlins died, but you a know, lot of gremlins died. <laughs> They're gremlins. They're very at gloop- one point, very one gloopily. <laughs> at the end, I was fucking shocked because it's like 
uh, just you know carnage, and then it's like a guy, like police and like military esque guys are like walking in, and one guy just shoots a moving dead gremlin with a shotgun, and is like it moved, and I was like, oh my god. Did you notice those that what? SWAT team went hut 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 hut? hut, hut, hut. <laughs> I, I mean, love that so much. It's so I don't stupid. know any like when did that start as like a thing in movies like military people or like SWAT teams going hut 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 hut. I don't I think know. it's just a generic like semi satirical, right? Yeah, I think like, you're making fun of them, right? Like degree. they they wouldn't be doing that in real life if it were an operation right they'd want to be like no no they're doing it oh okay all Every right time. all right I, yep. I mean i guess i haven't been in a gremlins 2 situation before <laughs> but yeah i mean only I, a few people have i i i mean all my cards on the table i think this movie is kind of a damn masterpiece <laughs> I, really, See, I love this movie i think the first movie is a masterpiece yeah i think this is interesting uh, <laughs> okay yeah that's fair and i don't think like i just i think it's really geared towards children and it's really fun uh but it doesn't have the same i don't I, i'm a sucker for a christmas movie yeah um and the first quarter is just like um having bad bosses of some guy getting fired it, yeah. it almost felt like like the opening to die hard as well, of it just felt like a lot like the opening. To yeah, Denver. yeah. There's a lot of like Nakatomi Plaza in in Clamp Tower. I mean, I will push back on this being more for kids because I I think this is such like I, I mean, aside from like the bonkers, cartoonish, chaotic stuff that's in this movie, this is a really savage satire about corporate life in the 90s and also about sequel making in general and mm -hmm. kind of the the soulless like rigmarole that people expect from movies like this. Uh, you know, I want to give a little bit of context historically for what, like, led to this uh, beautiful disaster of a wonderful movie. Um, so, you know, Gremlins, we discussed last week, a huge hit, made a ton of money, and it was critically and commercially beloved, you know, so it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, we need more Gremlins. Let's do it. Joe Dante, come on back. Except Joe Dante did not want to come back and do it again. He felt like the first movie ended exactly where he wanted it to end. And he didn't really have anything else to say about it. So he moved on to a couple other projects while uh, Warner Brothers continued to shop around Gremlins 2 to other directors. Some premises were tossed around. I think Gremlins in Vegas was once uh, the premise. <laughs> Gremlins on Mars almost happened. Uh, that was something they were really thinking about, which would have been interesting. And I Joe Dante, in the meanwhile, was like, he, he had a couple of movies that are like, I think are very good movies, but they didn't really connect critically. Like he did uh, The Burbs and Inner Space and I Explorers. Love the Burbs. There's some good movies in there. I love The Burbs. So are you saying yeah. that he may have been wanting maybe some cash? I think he was in a position maybe to a hear project? an offer. And Warner Brothers was in a position to offer him complete creative control the one thing that every filmmaker dreams of getting they and are going to be no completely hands off should get. absolutely because everybody who makes movies is insane and this movie demonstrates that he took that check and he cashed it and he's going to say he said uh, he's just going to make the wildest craziest movie that he could come up with um so this this really shows like you can see it right from the get-go now, Dante's biggest, like, influences as a filmmaker are, like, 50s monster movies and Looney Tunes cartoons. And so that is 100% <laughs> like go together all the time. So perfectly. 
Um, but it, this is also this crazy, chaotic meta commentary on this whole idea of blockbuster filmmaking. This movie, like, I think critics kind of dismissed this movie when it came out because they said it's like, all right, like, it's fun, like, when it starts getting all wacky, but it's pretty disjointed. The plot's kind of recycled from the first one. And I think they were taking that as a bug instead of a feature. I think mm -hmm. that was always intentional that they're going to they're going to get the housekeeping out of the way. It's like, all right, Gizmo is going to get back to uh, to Billy and Kate in the most like hackneyed coincidental way possible. <laughs> We're really just... not going to spend much time on their reunion at all because we just need to get these pieces into place. And then what happens in the first one? He gets wet. What happens after that? They multiply. Then they get a held of food. They turn into gremlins. They wreak havoc. Same exact thing happens here. But it's done in such like a perfunctory way. It's a perfunctory way that also include, includes a commentary on gentrification. Oh, 100%. Honestly, that part was fucking wild to me. Because yeah. it's like they try to buy out the old man in his shop. And he's like, no, I still have a soul. And they're like, <laughs> you well, sound like you're sick. All yeah. we have to do is wait. And then it just says six weeks later, and they're fucking bulldozing the place because he you died. Know, you know, and it's it's new. It's his grandson, the one that gave away. The one that gave away. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. He's like, yeah, oh yeah, no, come on, I need college money. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> and the fact that they're bulldozing this authentic Chinatown to replace it with this glossy, like, corporate Chinatown where he's organizing <laughs> yeah. having a parade thrown for him from it the locals. Was so literally, the point where he's like. Let's drum up support by having the locals put on a parade for us. Well, yes. And it's, it's so interesting. They have him be like a feckless billionaire, but he's like creating this toxic environment around him that is Ooh. just so pervasive. Yeah. I uh, just realized the way that I was talking. Uh, he reminds me of a Zap Brannigan type of yeah, a Zap <laughs> type yeah. of character. He's exactly that. Like he's gonna do whatever he's gonna do. We're talking about the Daniel Clamp character here. Really, okay. It's a bit hackneyed to say that like the the setting or whatever is the fifth character. New York is the fifth member of Sex and the City, whatever. But the the tower that this movie takes place in really is a whole character in its own. Clamp Tower is built to be the most technologically advanced tower in the world. <laughs> And everything is breaking all the time because mm -hmm. they're overcomplicating everything. So it's this commentary on like this commercialization. I also my the funniest moments in this movie for me are the overhead speakers that go off all the time. Like, you know, when the fire alarm goes off, it's this whole speech about fire, scourge of Prometheus, destroyer of plants. Your building is now on fire. And then, like, when you go into the men's room, he adopts this, like, hyper-masculine, like, John Wayne voice. Welcome to the men's room, you know? <laughs> it's, it's like this weird, constant narrator going on that's, like, infusing this little sense of, like, stoic, toxic masculinity into every aspect of the way that this building if operates. If I'm not mistaken, he goes into the bathroom and you hear that, and then somebody else is coming out of the bathroom at the same time. And it's like, whoa there, make sure you flushed the toilet, yeah. big boy. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Who wrote this? It's... And when I say that, I don't mean who wrote the lines. I mean, who developed this software? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Who, who made this happen? Oh, man. I mean, it's it's so – I mean, there's just so much. And the fact that the building is always malfunctioning makes yeah. it a really perfect, like – like a uh, uh, foiling, like a playground for the for the rest of the movie. I thought because uh, 
Die Hard came out in like 88. I felt like this was like the next level of the Nakatomi Tower because like at the beginning of Die Hard, it's like they have a, a like a touchscreen style like directory yeah. and he's like, how the fuck do I? I'm a New York cop. I don't know how to do this. Yeah, That's I wouldn't know about taxi cabs. Um, I don't know about no touch screens. And then it's, it's like the same thing. Like they have video calls in the building. Um, they, they have, uh, and I think this might also be a solid commentary on capitalism and, uh, dystopian futures, um, or dystopian presence where they have a team in the building that their entire job is to find people slacking off and report them. So they get fired. I love that because again, that's something that we would never do in modern society. You know, like the, we, we were talking like the clamp character kind of gets to be like a little heroic or at least a little sympathetic in some places or, or at the very least he's very likable. But he gets to do that because he's surrounded by all these like middle managers and lackeys who are going around like throwing away your house plants and measuring how far your cubicle is from the window. So it's this really great commentary on like the corporate world. And not to and before you start thinking that this movie's getting all highbrow, it's also completely batshit Looney Tunes it's crazy. Looney Tunes. Oh, because that's the first half of the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that's kind of setting the framework. And then there just comes a point, and I could you can pinpoint it. It's the moment when film critic Leonard Malton comes on screen to read his own negative review of Gremlins yeah. that he really wrote, only to be murdered by Gremlins who come <laughs> out and eat him. Like that's the moment where this movie uh, finally kind of shows well, really, its cards. Uh, was it that moment, or was it when the Hulk Kogan moment? That comes later. Yeah. That comes later. I, that's, I feel yeah. like I feel like that is the beginning and then the end of the transition. Because then you start getting wild, uh, wacky hijinks with – you get, like, the gremlins hijinks that you expect. Yeah. And then it quickly twists and you're like, bro, what the fuck? Like, Because <laughs> they, they break into the genetic laboratory. Well, yeah, we get this moment where it's supposed to be, like, this plot-heavy moment where they're, they're having the confrontation with Christopher Lee's mad scientist and he's going to explain how to save them. And the movie recognizes that this is a boring scene that we don't need to see. And so the whole screen turns white and gremlins start manipulating the screen and doing shadow puppets. And the only person who can stop them is Hulk Hogan, professional wrestler who is going to yell at the screen, crush his popcorn, rip off his shirt and make sure the gremlins stop playing around. I think that's the moment for everybody where this movie's like, if you're going to if you're. If you're going to be in on this movie or out on this movie, this is the turning point. It's all mm-hmm. hinging on the Hulkster. And it's where I am like so fucking in <laughs> on this movie. Because that's the moment where you realize that the whole premise here isn't just making fun of sequels, making fun of corporate uh, like entities or, or any kind of satire like that. The whole point of this movie is to make a movie that feels like it is being uh, ruined by gremlins while you are <laughs> watching it. Gremlins are in the writing room. Gremlins are on the screen. They are running the show, and that makes it so fun to me. They're also uh, getting married. They are getting married. Oh man! Okay, having this science, this mad scientist lab <laughs> so in the in this nuts. corporate tower is such a masterstroke because. I, I think a really cool thing this movie. So, well, we have to talk about the special effects, I think, because um, this movie costs about four times as much as the first movie does. And I think it really shows in the, the puppetry and, and the, the animatronics. Stop motion yeah. is so. 
it's like night and day because before you had the gremlins that were just kind of like launching themselves around and doing stuff. Um, and then in this one, like early on in the movie, Gizmo like does a little dance number. Yeah. Um, and with every scene that Gizmo's in, you're like, oh, my God, this looks way better than the old one. Than yeah. The last movie. I mean, he has um, such like detailed facial yeah. animation. In and this. then. And then they hit the genetic laboratory, and it really starts coming out because one they basically just like start finding random serums around and injecting it into different gremlins. So the first gremlin injects brain serum in, and he immediately becomes a uh, smart British gremlin and puts yeah. on glasses because clearly his eyesight needed correction, and then just starts. Yeah. It becomes the narrator slash uh, big bad of the movie and just starts talking about everything. Literally doesn't stop talking no. for a while. So he, he's voiced in this by Tony Randall, who is kind of uh, he you know him from like the 60s or seven, the 70s TV version of the odd couple. You know, you might not. But he's from the odd couple, things like that. And he was kind of he's kind of synonymous with like these kind of foppish kind of erudite, like intellectual types. And the fact that he's bringing this really crazy accent and it's coming out of this gremlin is, uh, so jarring and so funny. And I think he's great. Immediately after that, he just starts shooting up all the other gremlins with whatever the fuck they find around. And that's you want bat wings. Let's go, buddy. You want to be invincible to sunlight. I got you. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, well, and nuts. even even in the just kind of everyday gremlin designs, there's a lot more differentiation. Like if mm-hmm. you think about the first batch of gremlins, they're all pretty anonymous except for Gizmo and Stripe, right? Those are the yeah. only two you really need to care about. This one, like the core four gremlins that kind of spout off of Gizmo are all very distinctive looking and they all have their own personality traits. And then we start getting more and they more They do, but there's... Spike is such a good character. Yeah. And I think that this movie suffers from a a lack of Spike because they have the smart gremlin, but they don't spend enough time with the smart gremlin to really show him being malevolent. And yeah. uh, Is that not the same one that uh, kidnaps, beats up, and then tortures Gizmo? No, that's not the same one. That's the spider gremlin. Yeah. That's the spider gremlin. Yeah, yeah. He's the only one. That that is something kind of disappointing that like the. The four, the core four. I'm gonna keep calling them that from Scream <clears throat> Six, but the the core four gremlins that you start with don't really get to turn into anything more distinctive. They're just kind of there, you know, or, or they don't get like a distinctive death or anything. Well, like and that. it's just it's really funny because like uh, I don't know, rolling it back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, like setting up through this movie, like um, I I think it's so interesting that the protagonist and phoebe cates or billy and phoebe cates like they're not married and they're living together in sin in new york city and they're like not getting married yeah like i always think it's always so funny about how nearly every movie of all time like you can never have a married couple in a sequel for whatever reason in every single sequel that's ever happened they've not gotten married you have to give them somewhere to go in this in this situation they did say basically we're too poor to get married (laughs) no they say that like like which, no, yeah, one I mean, is, yeah, no one is right. too poor to get married. You can go to a justice of the peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wherever. Uh, go to wait around, get common law married. Drive yeah. out to Albany, Buffalo, whatever. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, aside from Daniel Clamp, 
I always forget there are other human characters in this movie. You know, I think Billy, Billy and Kate like really have very little screen time. They have very little to do. They in this do movie. like well, I, I don't know. So there's a couple in the first part of the movie. Billy's very much in the movie, and they seem to have borrowed the plot from Fright Night. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's friends with an old TV vampire. Yeah, <laughs> he's friends with an old TV vampire. Um, that is just is dissatisfied with his old TV vampire. Yeah, um, he wants to be a journalist. Why would you be dissatisfied with being an old TV vampire? That I, sounds like a he's sweet got a gig. puppet sidekick named Eagle. Come right. On. Yeah. This is incredible. It that's, seems like uh, a pretty sweet life, but uh, it seems like all old vampire television guides, uh, unless they're Elvira, yeah, um, are dissatisfied with their life. Uh, but I thought it was which really... is why Elvira is forever the best of them. Well, it is just like this movie is like vaguely like it's got so like like tongue in cheek of like of issues with women. Like the poor Phoebe Cates character is just like she's just like. I am giving tours of this thing, wearing a ridiculous outfit. Yeah. Uh, and I am being a, the, the attractive um, boss of Billy is like wildly hitting on She's him. She's a man eater. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so it was like, what? This is what people think of the big city. Well, they really had to pare down Phoebe Cates because we, we talked about last episode, like Phoebe Cates, one of the most beautiful human beings who's ever lived. Yeah. And they have to make her like mousy and dull in this, which is kind of no fun. Well, she the, does get a great moment where she gets to parody her speech from the first that movie. I did. I yeah. did. Which is a that. laugh out loud moment every time. Yeah. I, I was like, wait, is this what we're going what was it like president's day and abraham lincoln she's yeah. like i can't abraham i'm traumatized by abraham lincoln. that's i mean that was just so like, funny to be were you, just like we have, were we, have you to go. we don't have time for this yeah yeah, yeah. and they were just gonna be like hey hon now right now yeah and uh, you can tell they were letting her like improvise a little yeah. bit too which they is really fun definitely had some of that 90s feel of like even the movies that weren't misogynistic were kind of misogynistic. Oh, well, 100%. Yeah. Like, 100%. Like, the, the movies that were trying to not be misogynistic were still that way just because of the times were not great. Even well, still, in, like, a post-working girl world, we still had to shame the boss character a little bit for being kind of a go-getter, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was, it's really funny because, like, Phoebe Cates has uh, quite a few moments of sc uh, scream queen queening in, yeah. in this show. Uh, and it like it just made me it made me want more of Phoebe Cates in this role. Oh, and, like I, I especially wanted her to be like uh, a little more active um, because they definitely make her a little hapless, especially bringing home the googly eyed. Um, <laughs> And yeah, just, why would she ever think that's Gizmo? Look, she didn't seem very interested in or very enthusiastic about the whole idea of oh, Gizmo's back. Great. Yeah. Also, I thought it was kind of funny that Billy knew where Gizmo went. He just never went to go check on him. Mm -hmm. He just never went to go say hi, what's up? Yeah. This prominent figure from my life. I mean, really, like, for, for how much they were queuing up this reunion, Billy and uh, Gizmo share almost no screen time. Like, yeah. uh, they're both off doing their own thing. Gizmo spends most of the movie stuck in the vents until he realizes he needs to fight back, and we get the amazing Rambo moments where he's, oh like, my God. working out and making a little bow and arrow, and then he gets to kill the spider gremlin with a match. Like, that was so good. I and love his little headband. So much Rambo. So much Rambo. Rambo part two. At the end where it's like, yeah, if we get rid of the the headband, and he's like, 
Mm-mm. No, he likes no. it. He likes it. It's part of um, his thing. I, I did love the, like, I just like the when the Mogwai were, like, just talking, and they're, like, uh, you know, uh, the, saying things, especially early on, where it's, like, at one point, uh, I think this might be near the end, where he's, like, they're like, you know, taking Gizmo, and they're, like, oh, we're going to have a good life, and Gizmo's, like, HBO? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, like, excuse me, how yeah. did you find out about HBO? Next thing you're going to be asking for Cinemax. I mean, <laughs> c- cable at this time was still like a luxury for yeah. most households. Like it wasn't like uh, a widely available yet. So like you could, yeah, it was, it was still a time where you got real excited about cable TV. Um, it's so, um, uh, so I have to say, yeah. What was your favorite gremlin? Cause I think I know my favorite gremlin from a couple of different perspectives. Okay. I really think the fucking vegetable excuse my language the vegetable how dare you say fuck on this child-friendly podcast yeah that's really Uh, fucked up jay man i the for when you talk about like when it goes off the rails and you're like you know whether or not you're in or whether or not you're out yeah for me that moment is (laughs) the vegetable gremlin Uh, this is the first gremlin to shoot up uh with performance enhancing i don't think this one's performance enhancing it's uh genetically yeah. modified yes. yeah i don't know serum. that his performance is enhanced I mean, the and rest that, of them all get some kind of cool trait and he just gets to have tomato warts i mean the, the vegetable gremlin only pays off in two very subtle ways <laughs> one is he gets to jump out of the salad bar and two another gremlin plucks an olive off him to put in his martini that's all the vegetable <laughs> gremlin does but i love that he's there sometimes it's a great design he looks amazing well, sometimes I, you have to be the support character. Yeah. Well, and I think that's something that this movie shines at is the the actual support, the tiny bits. The, yeah. the, the, they have a hundred tiny bits yeah. that if you blink and Especially you miss them. Especially at the end. Um, hearty hearty. <laughs> uh, but like the tiny uh, bits, the homages to movies, uh, like the very silly bat um gremlin that like escapes with a bat signal oh i love Um, that so much and um then turns into like a a fucking gargoyle i mean (laughs) Um, oh it should be mentioned too um uh, mr futterman and his wife survived the first movie which i was shocked by despite getting run over by bulldozers they survived that movie they're okay snowplows and oh excuse me yeah you're right and I, I do have to love this because this is probably the most on-screen time that Dick Miller has ever gotten. He's mm-hmm. one of those hey, it's that guys who's been working since like the 40s. And Joe Dante just considers him like a lucky charm. But this is kind of the most screen time he's ever gotten in a movie in like 70 years he, of acting. So that's, I love Dick Miller. It's, you still have the xenophobic man, but now he has PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And he's, he's, he, I, I like that they even give him that little character beat that he's still struggling and everybody is trying to convince him that the gremlins weren't real. And yeah. And he gets his hero moment. Uh, as for <laughs> favorite gremlin, I still I got I mean, it's boring, but I got to go brainy. I got to go brainy. brainy gremlin. I mean, he he you're right that he's not like a big bad necessarily. He's kind of just anchoring the movie and becoming the de facto leader because he's smarter. But He's not really like super malicious. Um, Brainy before or after New York, New York? Oh man, during New York, New York, the best moment. <laughs> when I was a kid, that was absolutely my favorite moment because I'm just like, oh, this is so good. Um, Justin, what's your favorite gremlin? Man, I definitely did not have that question in my brain as I was watching <laughs> the movie. Um, I mean, the. Veggie Vegemon uh was a solid one. Yeah. Um 
I that one's taken. Honestly, I was just kind of watching the spectacle unfold of all the random ass really? shit. Really, I thought happened. you would like the lady gremlin. I that <laughs> one gave me the heebie-jeebies. All I right. was like, oh, uh, um, okay. But I am gonna put this out there. If I can't imagine it hasn't been done at this point, but if it hasn't, uh, drag queens of the world, please. Embrace this character. Please make this a part of your whole routine. Do a whole New York, New York bit. Come out of like hexagonal little like tiles. Have multiple costume changes. Come just on. This is like a drag icon don't right here. Harass people. Just don't later. harass people. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> force the man into a marriage. Although at the end he came around to it. He but was I was into like, it. is this Stockholm syndrome? Also, of course this movie ends with an implied gremlin blowjob. Like of course it does. <laughs> How else could this movie end? Of course it ends that way. There's no way else to do it. Oh, this movie is perfect. It is so good. Oh, man. I mean, it's it's absolutely nuts. Um, you know, unfortunately, and yeah. Oh, go ahead. As far as we know, there's still a gremlin out there. There's still at least one. There's still at least one, and there's always Gizmo, and that guy is like the typhoid Mary of gremlins. You know? <laughs> He's just like ready to spread it around. Uh, so, so you mentioned earlier something. Are you telling me there's not a three? There is not. All right. So, uh, this movie was a financial disappointment. Uh, <laughs> you know, the first movie was the fourth highest grossing movie of the year in one of the most profitable movie years of the eighties. This movie cost much more and it kind of just broke even or maybe didn't quite break even. So I think, so I normally don't think we should take toys into the account yeah. when we're talking about box office but you've got to take to like toys have got to bake like i cannot imagine and home video yeah like in home video like i like i couldn't find any information about whether or not it was a killer home video release or it was a killer toy release but like i just can't imagine this movie not making its money back on toys. It must have like through merch, but also you have to keep in mind that like anytime you look at a film's budget, you can basically double it for like marketing, merchandising, things like that. So like there, there are still a lot of costs to recoup, but I think this is a movie that has grown a lot over the years. Like I think not only in critical estimation, but like it's become kind of a cult favorite. And uh, to the point where like, yeah, there, there has not been a gremlins in 33 years now which is uh, pretty wild but we did talk about like uh, uh, a new hbo max series has just dropped called gremlin seeker of the mogwai it's a kid's show it's an animated show but it is kind of keeping that flame alive and it's, there has been some news about gremlin 3 it's um, gonna be a kid's show until the final episode where it's rated r <laughs> yeah it's just gonna get super violent uh i mean all right so here here's the news i found about gremlins 3 um we may actually see it in our lifetime that's the good news uh, it's been heavily rumored since the 90s, but in 2013, Vulture reported that Spielberg was actively working on it. Um, it went through a couple of iterations where they didn't really go. They haven't been able to find a director yet. Zach Galligan, who plays Billy, has confirmed that he's involved um, and that it is going to be a sequel and not like a reimagining or a remake. It is going to be a proper sequel. And uh, Chris Columbus has been attached as a writer once again. He wrote the first movie. And discovered here's the, the thing uh, that America's kind of, exactly. Here's well, the thing that know, kind of melted. That's in quotes. Oh yeah, discovered. <laughs> discovered. He, he discovered Cuba. Come he, on, let's he, be real. He took credit for it and then caused a lot of shit. He sure did. Uh, not this one though. This one's fine. He wrote Gremlins. 
Um, okay, but this is the fact that blew my mind here, and I'm, I'm really curious what this is going to ultimately look like. But uh, Chris Columbus gave a 2020 interview where he said, well, A, the good news is that the movie's not going to use CGI. It's going to be all puppetry and animatronics, as it should be. Very mm-hmm. smart choice. Here's the weird thing. He wants to go super dark with it again, and he says one of the central themes of the movie is questioning whether or not Gizmo should die. Yeah, oh my, Ooh. I almost brought that up. This is the thing. This is the I thing people that, have talked about. That, because, is, that came up in my head a few times where I'm like, you know, we could just end the problem. It's kind of a horrible thing because Gizmo is a lovely little guy, but he is the cause of all of this problem. Um, and not a single Mogwai that spawns off of him isn't an evil clone, basically. Right, yeah, he's the, he's the <laughs> only good one somehow, so... I can't imagine we could make like a successful movie that's all about killing this adorable <laughs> little franchise mascot before for existing. And like, I can't imagine this would be fun. I don't know. I watched it I Am in- Legend. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. But I mean, it, it is interesting that they're thinking about it in that regard. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I feel like I, if this Mogwai show is successful, then maybe there'll be more of a push. But then that also might make it more of a kid friendly thing yeah. than the series has kind of become. Well, but if we only have these two, I think these are two pretty damn Maybe they movies. can make the uh, 40th anniversary. That's when did the original come out? 87? Uh, 84. 84. 84. Oh. So, yeah, probably not. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I thought unless, this was a little later. Unless they've been sneaky on us. Um, All right. I think we need to talk about the game. Yes, the uh, game. Gremlins 2, the new batch, the video game, is released in October of 1990. It's developed and published by Sunsoft. And it appeared on the NES, the Game Boy, and then a bunch of early personal computers. Let's uh, uh, raise a hand if we've heard of any of these. The Amiga, the Atari ST, the Commodore 64, DOS, MSX, Amstrad, the ZX Spectrum. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's the ZX Spectrum. I always get that wrong. It's a British computer. The local tech nerd or the resident tech nerd. I have heard of all of these things. Oh, so have you really? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. haven't heard a really? single thing. The, all right. the Commodore 64? That one was the. I mean, these ones were a little before my time because I was like. Yeah, I never had two, one. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Commodore 64 uh, was like the big personal computer of the 80s. Yeah. And I, I have played games in DOS before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our, our first computer was a laptop with like Windows 2 on it. Okay. Maybe 3.1. But it was, it was a, an old piece of junk and uh, floppy disk, everything. Oh, I love the floppy uh, disk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you could you could find those on uh, those various computers. From everything I've read, uh, it's not as good as the version that we played today, which was the NES version. This was done by Sunsoft, uh, which is a studio I really love. We'll be talking about them a couple times because I think they did some of the higher quality movie adaptations on the nes are you implying that this is higher quality oh yes yes, yes. <laughs> oh yes, yes i am uh yeah they did games like batman the original batman game like which is really great platoon did you know there was a game based on platoon no they did it we're gonna be watching platoon um yeah so for for video games like that are based on movies i feel like the most successful ones or the most enjoyable ones are going to be the ones that are built around the movie mm-hmm. you know like i think we we're gonna see a lot of games where it's just like oh okay we have this unreleased shooter that some like mit student made on a weekend uh let's just uh, <laughs> let's crank it out and say oh, okay you're you're now terms of endearment the game you know or whatever like terms of endearment. <laughs> great game great game 
press X to pull plug. Oh. <laughs> that was mean. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, you know, a lot of the times you're going to get games like that where it just feels like nobody actually gives a shit. And it's just like, all right, we'll just make this fit. We'll just tell people this works. I think this Gremlins 2 game is very clearly built around this movie. Like, in its aesthetics and its styles and its choices of power-ups, I mean, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, I don't... Yeah, I mean, I feel like this could have been anything. But at the same time, uh, it would have been a pretty decent anything, especially for the time. Yeah. Um, we're, we're getting, like, a top-down platformer, which is always a little bit of a, a weird like concept to wrap your head around right because especially on the nes where like your graphics are limited and you need to be able to gauge distance and sometimes that's not always clear i think this game helps by having surprisingly great graphics for an nes game i think this game looks the fantastic scenes are really good they're so cute yeah we definitely uh when the the opening sequence had uh had billy's face in it i was like that is a lot more pixels than we saw, mm-hmm. presumably, Billy's face in the first one. <laughs> yeah, the first one where he's a fat old man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, they definitely definitely pulled out the stops on that one. Um, I think, like, the art direction was typically going in in good ways. Yeah. yeah. And um, Gizmo looks like Gizmo. He absolutely yeah, does. He has, like, a little, like, heft to him, too. That's the like, other he's thing. he's got some dimension. You, you play as Gizmo, which, which is like the correct choice. Such <laughs> an obvious choice, right? But, I, be, I mean, uh, to be fair, Gr- Gizmo was pretty passive in the first movie. This is the one that tries yeah. to kind of make him a little bit more active by giving him his Rambo moment. Basically swapping him and Billy's roles to a degree. <laughs> Largely, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because uh, the last movie, I guess it made sense to have Billy be the main character. Did not make sense for that game to be what that game was. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, this this one definitely played like a solid platformer this for the time. This game was so charming. Like, and it was definitely, like, it was challenging, but it wasn't ridiculously challenging. No. It was a really nice, adaptable, like, level and I really liked the gremlins. Like, the gremlins have their own distinct personalities and, like, the skateboard gremlin enemy. Um, of course, endless jumping. Um, <laughs> Which, again, you, you've got the record. Yeah, you're, you're anti-jumping, but you were doing really well at this I was, game. I was. Yeah. Feeling, I was feeling pretty solid at this game. And it was just, like, uh, the graphics and, like, the music was really good. Yeah. Um, and especially, like, the triumphant music at the end of the the sessions yeah um and it was just like it was it was a really fun game in my opinion it was yes. i i think the worst part about it and that's just because uh i'm not a fan of challenging platformers that it was a difficult one yeah um and uh we were discussing it. it's like i mean that that was the goal because they there's only five levels in the game and if it wasn't difficult you'd be done in like an hour or, yeah. or less and then uh what are you gonna do now yeah um Obviously, it was on the game? NES, so it didn't have save capabilities. So it old school had the level codes. This is so. Um, this is something that I think might come up again in the course of our podcast. Uh, but this is something that I've always found very interesting: is um, the old school death versus modern death. Yeah. In video video games, about like the devastating of having <laughs> to get to the boss and then having to go to back to the beginning of the fucking yeah, level. Yeah, we finally. <laughs> At the end of level two, which this took us probably 20 minutes to get to, yeah, uh, there's a boss, and 
we we went into the boss with pretty much no health, got killed immediately, yeah, and much then immediately. it put us back to the beginning of level two, and we're like, oh shit. <laughs> but we knew that, we could do it, it now. Yeah. yeah, except it took level two took us forty five years. So. Yeah, modern games where you like can save before you hit like yeah. oh I'm going to head into a little bit of like six people I don't know yeah. oh save go or, in. Or go I mean, in. even the big thing about modern games is that they are so forgiving that yeah. you can die to the boss in most games. And you just end up in front of the boss again, like right yeah. outside the door, pretty much. Most of the time these days, you won't even die at the boss unless you're me and playing Elden Ring and hate yourself. But, <laughs> you know, but I, I think this game is just really smartly paced. Like, because think about it, we did not see any gremlins in this game until level 2.2. You know, so the first level is Gizmo trying to escape the lab. And so we're getting a lot of what would be like stock enemy characters in bats other video games, like bats and rats speeders. and tomatoes. <laughs> but yeah, it makes sense because he's in the lab, you know, and they like they had the, the uh, giant. Remember the, in the movie, they had this giant indestructible tomato that he threw like a bouncy ball. Yeah, that's what he's dealing with. Yeah. Wait. That seemed like a normal sized tomato <laughs> to Gizmo, though. But but. They weren't sentient. <laughs> no. But, I mean, it's pretty smart in the way it's laid out. Because your first level, like, you're you're just running around jumping and you've got, like, a little small... I don't even know what you're throwing. Like, little balls or little tomatoes or something. And then at the end of the first level, you get a match. And all of a sudden, you could shoot, like, a more powerful weapon. Each level is going to culminate with you getting a little fire. stronger. Yeah. And then you're uh, going to eventually just become, like, Rambo Gizmo. And then, is, periodically, you have the shop, which asks you... Uh, what would you like to buy? And your answers are yes or no. <laughs> I always love that. What would you like to buy? Yes. Uh, somebody, somebody I, I, what I imagine happened was when they like scripted out like, okay, this, this is going to be, you know, when you talk, like the first dialogue here is going to be, uh, would you like to buy something? And then yes or no. And then you get the options. And then they ended up changing it. And it was like, what do you want to buy? Because you're going to have options, and then they just forgot to yeah. change the yes or no. Um, I I love all. Or they the... forgot to add a, a different. Uh, have one prompt of like, would you like, to, or would would you like to buy something? Yes or no? Yeah. Why? What do you want to buy? Um, but it was great. The um, the translation errors in these games are always yeah. classic. My favorite is from the original Ghostbusters game for the NES. If you beat the game, it says, uh, "Congratulation." You are winner. You have beaten great game, <laughs> and uh, it is not a great game. Um, <laughs> so, and then there was one thing spoiler. that we spoiler, we yeah, noticed, we'll get to it. Uh, when you die, the like the continue screen, the I in continue is a one, right? And yeah, it's like, all right, well, they needed a one for the currency, and so they just were like, all right, we don't need an I anymore. We have a one. Yeah, done. <laughs> Done. Got um, it. Which I also think is is fun because I I had forgotten that that was a thing until we played this and I was like oh, yeah that's right that that's a thing that used to happen was they were limited on space and memory so they're like all right well what uh, what letters do we not need in I this mean, game I think they applied that extra memory in uh, the right directions because yeah the game looks fantastic. <laughs> 
I like that you do get infinite continues. So like the game is challenging, but it's not like gonna break you. You in get half. infinite continues because it takes you back to a point that was ten minutes ago. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it takes a little bit. And Take that, kid. But there, there are a couple little things they do. Like uh, I really like the balloon power up. Mm -hmm. Like you start every level with one balloon. If you fall into a pit or something then the balloon will carry you out and it actually lingers for a while. So you can kind of skip over this problematic part that you keep dying at. Uh, but once that balloon is gone, then you've lost the balloon unless you buy a new one at the store. But it's a, it's a helpful mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. Or you die, you um, start over and get or a new you spend the crystal balls that you've been collecting at the shop, which yeah, we kept debating. It's like, does this stand for like clamp bucks or something? Because I think they mentioned something. It like says that. like CB and then a number. And it wasn't until we eventually found the start menu, the pause menu, and that had the number on it, and it just said crystal and then the number. And I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, and that's maybe a little problematically racist. Also. The weird thing of like going to the store to buy things with crystal balls from Mr. Wing. Mr. Wing is dead. Yeah. He died. He's not alive anymore. Why is he, he was taking never your a fortune teller? He was never <laughs> a fortune teller. Like he's yeah, that's the thing about the Mr. Wing character. Like uh, the the movie does not actually paint him as like a mystic or anything. He's just a guy who runs a shop that has some weird stuff and he just doesn't have a lot of patience for people and i think this this is trying to make him well, making him I, the shopkeeper was weird i loved that part at the at the end of the first one just to go back a little bit where where he like just shows up and he's like oh i knew what was going on like i got to get this mogwai back yeah. uh and then he he mentions something about one of the inventions that uh the dad was offering him he's like yes i know about it and he's like how do you know about it he's like I talked to the guy at the gas station. <laughs> he wanted to sell me one too. Exactly. See, it's like it's he's, like, not, ah. he's not looking into a crystal ball. <laughs> no. He's yeah. talking to a guy having a severe emphysema attack. He had to. St that Im also implies that he had to stop at a gas station. Yeah, he's a human being. He Even fills up his gas tank. Even though we never see his car. No. At the end of the movie. <laughs> hey, maybe he had trouble finding parking. There were a lot of corpses in the street. You know. Honestly, <laughs> that might be one where you park on the edge of town and then. Yeah. Slip your way in because yeah, get underneath some yellow uh, tape or something. It was looking like Raccoon City at that point. <laughs> a little uh, bit, a little bit. Not a good time. Speaking of gremlins, uh huh. Speaking um, of the electricity gremlin. Oh yeah, yeah. We didn't talk about the electricity gremlin, and it. Both I don't think I understood what was happening there. Enraged me <laughs> and amused me. Oh, uh, he's kind of a Deus Ex gremlin. Yeah, he is you, a Deus Ex you, gremlin. You, you break him out at the end and just like solve all the problems. But yeah, he is nuts. It's just a, an excuse to get like a cartoon, like a literal cartoon gremlin in here. The animation on him is great, and I think you do fight him as a boss in this game as well. Uh, but yeah, he 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 gets to like electrocute all the gremlins you know after electrocuting christopher lee it's just weird that he gets trapped on a video phone yeah he gets he put gets put on hold on a video phone because that's how electricity works <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah go with it go with it this uh, hulk hogan's in this movie you got you just go with it the entire day was saved by the fact that the woman had secretarial skills yes exactly <laughs> i she knew that, how to transfer a call which honestly i would not have known how to do so but then it was portrayed as if she was hacking the mainframe <laughs> I was have you like, ever transferred a call did you have you ever had to transfer a call in real life before. I used to work in call centers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've transferred many calls. I'm just saying that it I, can be quite I will complicated. Say the amount of times that I got transferred a dead call because the other person couldn't figure out how to transfer a call was really high. 
I never had that problem. It always just made sense to me. It's so like, all right. I, so you would have saved the day. I, I guess I would have saved the day. I, I will shout out uh, my, my friend, former coworker, Kara, because when we worked at the same newspaper together, she was in charge of kind of routing all the calls. And the one day that she wasn't there and I was in charge of it, I hung up almost every call. <laughs> and they had to get back to me because I'm just like, ah, Kara's not here. I don't know how to do this. So we, we basically so, had to throw her a party when she got oh, back. Man. It's like, come on. Also, everyone would have died if you had been Phoebe Cates. But would, everyone yeah. would have lived if Justin had been But Phoebe Fast Cates. Times at Richmond guess, High would still be sexy. <laughs> I guess that's been my life because my, my first job, I ended up, uh, well, other than the one in the cornfield, uh, I ended up uh, customer service at a grocery store. So I was the one answering the phone and transferring every call to the departments. Okay. Because people would go – it would go through, like, all the options, and then they'd hit customer service, and they'd ask me questions about meat. And I'm like, meat department was an option. <laughs> Why are you doing this? All right. So it's decided Justin is the Phoebe Cates of this podcast. So I, I, think think that's, I think that's, uh, that's it, settled. It Hold makes on. Sense. Let me transfer this call real quick. Oh, look at him go. Look at those. Done. Look at that button pressing. Button pressing. That's uh, pretty good. <laughs> but back to the game. Back to the game. Uh, yeah, no, I, I kind of came in a little preloaded on this game. I have played it before. I've beaten it before. Um, and I re always really enjoyed it. But it's been probably 15 years since I've played it. So... I wasn't sure if there were some like false memories going on. So I was really delighted to see if this game holds up. I think it looks great. I think it plays really well. And it's it's one of the more enjoyable games that we've played on this show so far, I think. I 100% I, I agree. And yeah. 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 I, I, I think that might be a good time to get to our ratings because I suspect, I don't know, I'm not going to vote for you guys, but... For me, this is the first good good that we've ever had. My my only negative about the game was that I wasn't good enough at it. So <laughs> you were do I mean, you were actually playing the brunt of it. Like you were playing most of it and doing all the the difficult work. So, um, I was scouting everything out. <laughs> so eventually, we had to get Steve to get us through to the boss. Well, you know, you know. Uh, so each week we are rating the properties that we have watched uh, from a good movie, a good game, to bad movie, bad game, to everything in between. And this is my first good movie, good game. I, I really enjoy both of these. I think they complement each other very well. And I, I think that Gremlins 2 is kind of a secret little masterpiece that people need to check out. Uh, my first good good was uh, Dracula. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> you were much more forgiving on uh, that game than I was. Uh, but I think this is, um, I don't know. It's hard to say that this is a good movie when I absolutely adored. Like, I don't, it's like, it's not intrinsically a great movie, but it's great. It's great. It's it absolutely, is. It's, 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 it's fucking it's so watchable it's rewatchable there are so many movies that you would never want to rewatch but this is not one of them yeah. so definitely i'm going to say very good movie yes and are good you saying game. this wasn't the gremlins movie you wanted well no, i'd like gremlins 1 takes it like i love gremlins 1 um and this one is def like i don't know i think the cool thing is that this one manages to sort of poke fun at the original while still honoring the original I, I don't think this cancels out the yeah, original i don't think it does either um i think it's just kind of it's doing what a good sequel should do which well, is amplifying everything and the first it also one like we didn't talk much about it but like it brings in chuck jones and it's just yes. so like you know the creator of looney tunes and like the such the it's such a beautiful homage to the slapstick comedy and what um, was the situ what was the situation with that movie the gremlins put on <laughs> 
Which one? It was like beach like volleyball. Like, beach volleyball. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like an old dude. like, wait video. a minute. <laughs> I love that. What are, the, what are these gremlins up to? It's like the dirtiest thing they could show in the PG-13 movie. The first movie. one, they, they were mentioned uh, Snow White, so I thought they were going to show it again, but they are like, no. Drew, At Drew, no point was risque, it Snow White. It's we, risque we, volleyball. Do yeah. we, well, okay. I mean, I guess this movie does answer the question, are gremlins sexually attracted to humans? Because you I, know, I think, one of them marries a human. I, was gonna say, I think that movie. question was answered even if you didn't think about that part. Probably. But, there is a flasher gremlin in both of these movies. Both movies. Yeah. <laughs> I like that she kicks him in the balls this time. Yeah. Yeah. For this little... What Where the have? balls would be? Does he have a cloaca? He, no, he's got a he's got a Ken situation. A oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> Just a mound. He has an like, uh, It's like Attack on Titan. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Uh, Justin, where where you come down on this one? Um, yeah, I mean, good, good. Um, what the hell is going on out there? Oh, Sorry, I chaos. I have ADHD and things are happening. I'm like, oh, noises. Well, I moved um, my studio to Beirut in the '90s, <laughs> so I apologize. For yeah, that. yeah. Uh, a lot of uh, whoop whoops outside, but not like. Juggalos, yeah, they've got a problem with them. They're always storming the streets, whooping it up, spraying their fago uh, everywhere. Yeah, uh, fago's <laughs> a good cola. Fago. I've never had fago. Fago was very good cola. Okay, it's that's the Midwest Michigan. coming out because you called it a cola. Like, is it not? I thought it was like a cherry soda, right? No, it's a it's a wide range of orange Different sodas, flavors. root beer. I think their root Red. beer might be one of the best root beers that exist. Okay. Uh, they have an excellent orange soda. Uh, their Coke is okay, uh, but their orange soda and their root beer is pretty So uh, we're going to announce at the end of this one that we're going to start a Fago podcast. Where we <laughs> s- each podcast, we sample a different kind of Fago, yeah. and then we talk about the you know the different flavor profiles, textures, all of that. Absolutely. And then we rate it on whether or not it's a good Fago or a uh, bad soda. Yeah. I think For that's those who don't know, Fago is a Midwestern soda company. Yeah, and I, I really only know it as the drink of choice of Juggalos. I've never tried it myself. I'm not besmirching Fago at all. That's just all I know about it because that whole trend came from that region. <laughs> oh, man, that was a whole thing. That was um, a whole thing. Yeah, uh, I think the movie was good. It was fun. I was definitely maybe a little bit too tired to uh, understand all of what was happening at the end. Um, yeah. I took a nap immediately after. Um <laughs> And then the game was fun but difficult. Yeah, um, that's saying yes right there. I mean, I'll say, it, like, I would never choose this game just because uh, I don't like playing retro games all that often. Sure. Um, but for a retro game, it played well. The controls made sense. Uh, even if I can't remember which one's A and which one's B half the time. I do the same. Um, I still do the same. They didn't move. Yeah. It's the same. No, they're, they're, they're still uh, there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, uh, for the time, the visuals were good. Yeah. Uh, it's, it yeah. definitely seemed like whoever made it put time and effort into it um, because the game – at no point did we encounter anything that was broken either, yeah. um, which is – I mean, I guess in Wayne's world we didn't really encounter anything that was broken, but we didn't encounter much that was fixed either. Right, um, yeah. But it was – there was no moments of glitchiness. There was no moments of, like – why did that happen? It played smooth. It was a nice experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think also I have to let everyone know that if they have not seen the Key and Peel sketch, Gremlins oh, 2. How have we gone this long without mentioning that skit? Yeah. 
it is an absolute delight and it's even more delightful to watch it after you've seen this movie yeah recently. don't watch it before watch it after like it's uh, i i just it warms my heart that somewhere in some writer's room somebody was like you know what's weird gremlins 2 yeah <laughs> and, and it was like the whole setup is uh, a, a sequels doctor uh, just lets people brainstorm and they're just like in the movie in the movie in yeah. the movie and it's so good it's such a great sketch it's great because it's not even making fun of the movie i think it's celebrating the whole anarchic spirit of the whole thing it's, it's just like yeah yeah you get every idea is in play everything can come into I, this movie I, I, <laughs> <laughs> they just say what they just say it for what it is yeah and it really paints the picture of just how zany of a movie it becomes um yeah what a time it's a delight don't don't feed your gremlins after midnight just don't do it just don't um, do it but also i would advise that you just don't have any gremlins or mogwai around i know um, they're cute yeah, but look, look. Eventually, we're gonna have a discussion about killing them, uh, because it's for the better of humanity. I don't think this sounds like a fun movie, to be honest. The more I say it out I loud, I mean, I feel like that. I I could see it being an interesting experience, especially if that part comes in near the end, where they're like, "Look, buddy, <laughs> hey." I'm just imagining like the I end of the it... fly with like Gizmo putting the shotgun against it. No. Oh my God. Say it would be Phoebe Cates, the wife, yeah. and be just taking it into her own recognizance to kill Gizmo, um, <laughs> and then accidentally killing Billy. Oh, um, there, we oh. Go. there we go. So it becomes like a Tennessee Williams play. Uh, I have a secondary movie pitch. Um, you know, Billy, what's her name? What's her name in Kate. the movie? Kate. Yeah. Uh, Gizmo. Waterworld. Oh, there we go. Oh, <laughs> it's just a whole ocean of little gremlin <laughs> and that's, balls. That's why they have to weigh the odds because they're like, look, buddy. Also, Billy and Kate can't be married yet. No, <laughs> uh, no marriage doesn't later, exist after the yet. apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's invented. Yeah, everybody's uh, drinking their own pee. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about Waterworld. Why would you drink it. your own? Oh, wait. You filter it. No, I was about to say, why would you drink your own pee if you're just surrounded by water? But seawater, seawater, yeah. But yeah. also, where are you gonna pee? Yeah, exactly. Right in the water. You're just gonna be drinking <laughs> it anyway. Yeah, yeah. At least I mean, this way, you have some quality control. There, there are things you can do to seawater to be able to. The drink big complaint. It. Okay, I'm not uh, gonna go off on too much of a water world tangent, but the big complaint when that movie came out is why isn't he just filtering the ocean water? Yeah, <laughs> like just scoop it up. I guess maybe there's a salinity issue. Whatever. He drinks his pee. You can desalinize it. Yeah. It's not unheard of. Yeah. That's yeah, um, Waterworld. I, if if I'm not mistaken, one of the and I think I learned this from playing the game Raft. Uh, one of the easiest ways to do it is to hey, use condensation. Yeah. And then collect <laughs> the water. I think we've gotten off topic. Maybe Look, we've gotten off topic. We'll we'll wrap up here. What if anything was Waterworld? I think us talking about desalination. <laughs> In the, when our Gremlins episode, yeah, I think we might have uh, might have lost the plot. That's okay. Do we have to kill 
Gizmo. Well, we'll we'll talk. The about world that will when find the out. Third one comes out. Uh, this but podcast will still be going in five years, and the movie comes out. So absolutely, let's uh, do it. I mean, we have like three hundred plus uh, in the docket. I think on the list, and we have so. a government contract that says we have to watch all of them. Yeah, so, we're you know, <laughs> legally we obligated to do all yeah, of this. I don't know if you know that there was an incident. Uh, yeah. This is actually considered part of our community service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We we were not legally allowed to talk about it, but let's yeah, say that's the army as far as the NDA lets me get. Um, really, the only way that you can help counteract that is by going on to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five star review and a, and a nice uh, nice review on there. Do, do they do half stars? Uh, they don't think. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I don't know. Only... I feel like I'd be more likely to give somebody four and a half stars than five. Don't encourage don't that. Give, <laughs> you give us the five. Give us the five. Yeah, you're already there. Just go a little Give further. us a five and then uh, give us a five. Either a high five or a five dollar bill. One of those, yeah. <laughs> Either one is good to me. You can write us any messages you might have to cinemarcadepodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram with that same name. So thank you everybody for listening to our Gremlins mini series. Oh. oh, we have more. What's next week? Oh, I was gonna tell oh, you okay. here. We <laughs> have... No, we were gonna oh, no. we were gonna hard was cut. Hard cut. Yeah. I mean, oh. I, I was gonna tell you, but it is a little cold in here. I've kind of I've got chills. Oh no, they're multiplying. <gasps> And I'm losing control. No, there's no way that's a movie. Oh, it's happening. No, we I... are playing Grease the Game. <laughs> we are watching 1978's Grease. And then get ready because it's a Wii game that has us dancing. So we are oh dancing. My... Oh, we are singing. No. We are playing Grease the oh, Game. Oh, dear God. Next week. So. <sighs> it's the only one so far until the Grease 2 game okay. comes out, in which case we can finally sing Cool Rider. But uh, <laughs> no, not happening this time. It's just Grease 1. Oh, boy. This is, I have not played this at all. Like it's going to be a disaster. Uh, all right. So be sure to tune in next week for the beautiful disaster that will be our Grease episode. <laughs> Find out whether or not it's a good movie, bad movie, good game, or bad game. Because, look. Let's just call it all problematic. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a whole thing. It's a whole I... thing. Yes. All right. So see you, see you next week. Uh, thank you, everybody. Stay out of the sunlight.